It was just like one of these moments, instead of like internally freaking out and trying to do the greatest thing ever, I just put the grill on outside and I just started cooking like, just like that. My name is Louise Newsom, entrepreneur and host of The Makers, where we tell the stories of how everyday creatives turn their passion into a sustainable business. On this episode, you'll meet Dan Sabia of Wood Fire Food, and part of the Makers Central team in Tarrytown, New York. A community workspace for artisanal makers who have learned and honed their craft either on their own, at school, or one of the many numerous and invaluable teaching studios out there, and took the leap and turned their craft into an actual business. Dan Sabia left the restaurant world after years of training with several of the top chefs in the world to use his work with wood, fire and food to change the norm and create food beyond the restrictions that the kitchen imposed. Using fire which Dan describes as intoxicating and local hardwood which makes the food taste incredible is some of the most captivating aspects of the cooking at his events. So, Dan, is this the first podcast you've ever done? This is the second podcast I've ever done. Oh, I know. I, I totally hooked you in for that one. Um, yeah, but this is, uh, it's always exciting, to, I guess, to have the opportunity to tell the story of life sometimes, you know? Yeah. You know, and be yeah. able to talk to people and go well, from there. you know there. what? It was, you know, we've had the generations of writing, and yep. it still exists. Yep. And, you know, and even paper still exists where yep. people pick up magazines and newspapers to read. But exactly. the whole podcast world is, like, blowing up. It is. It is. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Anyway, yeah, and it's really great to be here with you. It's and we're to be at here. Makers Central yeah. in Tarrytown, New York, mm-hmm. where you are in a in a space with other makers. It's a Correct. collaborative yeah. space. So how long have you been here? Uh, I have actually been here, I think, since November of 2018. So I was the first person in here before Maker Central was essentially even a concept. Um, I had met Connor way back when. I actually came here to talk to him about plates for these private events that I was doing. And after a 30-minute conversation turned into four and a half hours, um, you know, I ended up moving in the week after that because it was that perfect transition in my life. And then just hearing him talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And then here we are, fast forward almost a year and a half, and it's like we're in it every day. And people are like, oh, my God, have you ever heard of this place? And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to see coming from someone who had a dream and turned it into something. And then being surrounded by people who also did the same thing, it's, it's automatically like an instant inspiration just to walk into the door sometimes um, and not even do anything. Just like walk and watch everybody doing their thing and everybody smiling and happy. And, you know, you go back to your life and this is, you know, the world you make it now. So Well, it's kind of a bit like uh, being at art school. You know, when you, I mean, yeah. I went to art school. Yeah. So, you know, being in the studio was the most exciting time yep. because you were just with everybody and, dr- and driven by their energy yep. so, and what they were creating. Yep. And it was inspirational. So these collaborative spaces make total sense yeah. for makers. Thousand percent. Thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, um, very similar to the, what the kitchen world was. You know, you, you went to work every single day and it was just the same thing over and over again. And then all of a sudden you would have this other chef come in or you would go to collaborative dinners with other people. And all of a sudden you would just be like re-sparked into like cooking again, even though it's all you do. But the second you see someone doing it the same but completely different, it becomes like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. And it's the same process here. So Right, yep. right. Well, we're standing in your workshop mm-hmm. and and we'll get to your whole catering business in a minute yeah. in your background. But but there's nothing in here that's about cooking per se. I per mean se. like physically cooking. No. But there are things I see that are used, maybe. Correct. So these are I mean, they're gorgeous 
boards? I mean, are these yeah. for display of foods? Or? Uh, they're for display of foods. So I, I make a wide variety of everything from butcher block um, countertops to cutting boards and, and everything else to charcuterie birds and serving platters. And I originally started doing this one as a uh, as like a therapy session to get away from the cooking world. Um, and then it started to become, I'm just going to start producing my own platters, my own trays to serve the food that I'm doing for these large scale meals. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're, you do one thing, you post it here, you post it there. And then all of a sudden people are like, what is this? Where is it coming from? And you know, you, you kind of get that energy again to be like, oh, I'm just going to have this encyclopedia of wood sitting here and I can create anything at any time. Like there's no plans, there's no structure to any of it. It's just like whatever comes in, you look at it, you start cutting things, you put it together, and then a week later it starts to look like that. So, Do you find yourself, it, it, you said it's like therapy. Yeah. So you find yourself coming here to like actually to turn off. Yeah. Yeah. thousand percent. Yeah. No other beautiful. So let's just talk a little bit about your background. Sure. So... You know, where did you grow up and where did this passion for the food industry come in? So I grew up uh, right here in Westchester uh, in a town called Yorktown Heights. Uh, I grew up very lucky with a uh, Spanish mother from Spain and, and my father is Sicilian. So food was the forefront of our family. That's all we did was cook. Um, no frozen meals, never went to McDonald's. Like it just none of that stuff ever existed until I obviously got up and moved out. And there was a whole world of things I never experienced, which I look back at now and like I had it great. And then I went to do something different. I was like, <laughs> you know, it's so funny, like how you look back at things when you were a kid and it's like, oh, well, my parents never gave me. So it has to be good. And I have to be, you know, um, but I was very lucky enough to have that. Um, and like, you know, the, the concept of Sunday meals were a very, very big thing where like, we didn't have plans. Nobody would go anywhere. We would sit at the house. We would cook all day. There was music playing. There was insane smells coming out of the kitchen. And you were just like hanging out in your pajamas and you were just relaxed and you were venting about life. And, you know, for the first time ever, it wasn't like the parents and the kids. It was like almost everybody was equal at that point. Um, and there was something very, very intoxicating about that that I never really thought about until much, much later. Um, so from there, um, you know, dealing with uh, obviously growing up in the world and, and, and dealing with the, the natural insecurities that come with going to school and seeing all these other people. Food was like the one thing that like gave me comfort. Um, and it was the one thing that I didn't have to try to do. I just very naturally because it was always, it was a constant. So, you know, eating things like tripe and, and braised oxtails and things like that was a normal thing to have on Sundays where, you know, you go to other people's houses and, you know, it was like Boston Market and you're like, what is that? I've I don't understand. Why, why did you get that? Why couldn't you just make that? Um, so I was very fortunate enough. And then I think I was like eight years old. Um, Were you cooking with your family? I was cooking with my family. I was eight years old and I woke my parents up to two dozen eggs that I cooked in a bunch of different ways. And they literally sat there and like ate all of them. And I think that's kind of where it sparked me, like this fascination of like, how am I going to take this little oval object and turn it into all these things? Um, and that was it. It was just like this constant like curiosity, you know, like... Even like as a young teenager, like, you know, the parents would walk out of the room and you'd be watching something bad on TV late at night. My parents would walk out and I had like the food network on just like sitting there, just like with my eyes open. You know, it was just like a, it was a very sort of surreal thing. And it was just in your DNA. It was just in the DNA. And, and it helped me kind of get through school um, because, you know, I, I never wanted to be there. I never I couldn't sit and read a book and learn anything from it. I had to be able to to create it, to make it, to use it. You know, so technical trade school became a really big thing. And I, and I graduated, um, you know, with, with ridiculous grades um, because I was able to create every day. I was able to make something and I was able to learn exactly through that. And, you know, it was, it was just so funny that, like, 
you sit back and you look and, and my sister, who is the teacher now, um, yeah, my sister, who's the teacher now, she, um, she's the polar opposite. You know, she was the bookworm and everything else. And just like two different walks of life, but still grew up in the same household. Just everybody learns things a little differently. So it's kind of how it goes. Yeah. I have two kids. Yeah. They couldn't be more. Exactly. The Makers is brought to you by Trade and Prosper. Here we share the stories of individuals and businesses that make our communities. We believe in those who are committed to doing well by doing good, using their hands, minds and hearts to create a better place for us all and believe that a little sweat and a lot of sharing turns a community into a populace of prosperity. Trade and Prosper is a forum where those like-minded individuals meet to trade ideas, information, goods and services, as well as build long-lasting relationships that enable them to expand their reach locally and also globally. For more information on our organisation and for more podcast episodes, head over to tradeandprosper.com. Follow us on social media and join our Facebook group to connect with our growing community of creative entrepreneurs. So where did you go to school? Was it here in New York? Uh, yeah, so I went to uh, Yorktown High School and then Northern, uh, Northern Putnam Westchester BOCES with the technical trade school that I went to. Um, and then around college time, I just made a very intense decision and I kind of was like at my parents like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going. I'm just going to figure this out. I'm going to work and I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I started working in restaurants at 14 um, and then never left 16 years later until recently. So so 16 years that you were involved and, yeah. you, and you were doing everything from everything. Wait, waiting on customers to being in the kitchen. And, yeah. 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 And so 16 years into this, like, what was the moment where you were like, OK, I'm done with this and I want to do my own thing? <sighs> You know, it was, it was, there was, I always try to like minimize it down to like one significant thing, but there was two very sort of pivotal moments, I think, in my life that really changed my idea of one, the food industry, and then two, when it was time to separate myself from it all. Um, you know, I did nothing but fine dining. Uh, I did. I got really, really lucky when I was younger at 18 years old. I, I, I met John George and I started working at all of these insane restaurants with no background in culinary school or anything else and just intense work ethic and, and this, this secret weapon of like home cooking that like a lot of kids don't have. So uh, I got very lucky and I started just flying through the ranks. Um, but that was my life. My whole life was about like white tablecloths and perfect plates of food and everything had to be cut a certain way and look a certain way. And, you know, I strived and to the point of like, you know, almost like depression where I was like just killing myself to make this thing that was supposed to be perfect. But like now you look back and you're like perfection doesn't really exist. So it really doesn't matter what it is. Um, well, maybe it wasn't perfect to you. It, but it never will be. It never will be. Then that's the best part about it, right? right. That's so, what drives you, right? Exactly. But now, like, a perfectly grilled piece of squash with lemon juice on it is perfect. Like, there's nothing to it. It's just, it is what it is, and this is how the easiest part is. So, went up through the ranks. I started working um, at Richard Gere's Bed and Breakfast right here in, in Westchester, the Bedford Post-In. Um, and that was, like, my first time of ever, like, truly cooking, I think, over open fire because we had an outdoor kitchen there. And obviously, I did Boy Scouts. I did all this stuff when I was younger. You, mark, you do all this stuff outside as a kid, but you never think about anything. Um, and I had a really, really well-known chef come in. Um, you know, Eric Repair came in. Uh, it was his wife's um, and his anniversary, and they were there for the weekend. And, of course, my chef was nowhere to be found. So it was just, like, me. And, and it was just, like, one of these moments where, like, I, instead of, like, 
internally freaking out and trying to do the greatest thing ever, I just kind of like slowed down and I just, you know, put the grill on outside and I just started cooking like vegetables and like very simple things with just like that. Good sea salt, good olive oil, lemon juice done. Um, and he probably went through almost 10, 10 courses of food um, and then walked up to me afterwards and just said, thank you for, uh, you know, for bringing me back to my grandmother. And that was it. And like that, that was one of the most pivotal moments in my life. Cause I literally, I remember that night I like took my chef coat and I like threw it in the garbage. Cause it was like, I could do this any way. I don't have to look, I don't have to be a certain thing to make this happen. I could just cook from what's inside me, which I already know. And it doesn't matter what restaurant I'm in. It doesn't matter about any of this stuff. Um, well, and, there's a word that comes to mind. It's yeah. authentic. Yeah authentic creation, yeah. you know, because it, it is in you and it's just coming out as yeah. a creative so process. Simplicity is, yeah. is key was the one ingredient that I always forgot, you know, it was right. just like, keep it simple. And that was it. And simple food, what I learned today is that simple food is the hardest food to make. Well, don't you think it's a bit like an artist, right? That the artist goes to school to learn the technique of drawing and intricacies and ex- going to the extreme, right, of all of the craft. And then they go to abstraction and they come back because they have all that skill set right. behind them. So what you did was invaluable. I mean, it was, it yep. was so you I, had to uh, go through that process. It's, it's funny, after that summer, I took, a, I took a year off from cooking, just just quit. And I just like kind of slowed down for a bit. And I did a couple consulting things here and there. I did a couple private events and like just made it by through the year with my the bills I had to pay. And I mean, it was like the most financially like irresponsible thing to do in the world at like 28 or whatever it was. But you know what? It just—it was a great time to be able to um, slow down for a second, uh, and then I—and then I fell. Um, then I, I met this gentleman who is one of the best restaurateurs in, in Connecticut, and and you know he played such a pivotal part in the next stage of my life. And unfortunately, it ended like you know in a very negative way. But in the end, it was a very positive sort of outlook on everything. And and we still, um, you know, we keep in touch over it, which I think is kind of what growth is. You know, you. You make decisions that in the moment are horrible and then you move forward and you slowly look back and you were like, you know, you know, I thank him for like the intense amount of like angst that I went through that point in my life. So So what was so what was happening there? So he we started kind of talking and everything else and he was about to open up another restaurant and and he would literally come to my house and I would cook in my backyard and I would cook outside and I would cook over these grills that I made from scratch. And, you know, I, these couches, the outdoor couches that I made from scratch and we'd just sit there and like, it's not like we're eating burgers and hot dogs. I'm doing slow roasted lamb legs. I'm making fresh bubba ganoush. We're doing grilled naan bread. Like we're doing things that like, you know, have been done a thousand years, but when you're in the restaurant, well, like, oh, no, you only, you only go to really high end restaurants to experience that. And it's like, well, no, you can go to anybody's house to do it as long as you take the time to do things correctly, understand your balance, your spices, everything else. You can make really magical things happen in the comfort of your home, which comfort is the one thing that the restaurant world sometimes forgets about. Because um, you go to these very high-end places and you sit in these perfectly manicured dining rooms and you don't feel comfortable because, you know, the server's literally touching everything and fixing everything and you know, it's it's funny how like the idea of home becomes so important when you're not there anymore. Um, so I started working for him. We opened up this restaurant together called Jessup Hall in Westport, um, and it was uh, it was an amazing, amazing struggle, to say the least. Um, me. What were the big challenges? Well, I think two things were one. Bill is he's very, very set in his ways, and he, and he as he has every right to be because what he does is is amazing, and all of his restaurants are amazing, and he has such a set standard, and he's worked so hard to get it. 
And then he hired me who was free thinking and doing my own thing and not going into the fold and not trying, you know, this is what I know, this is what I love, this is what it is. And it was just constant headbutting every day. Every day, every day, every day, and and it was uh, it was a struggle. It was two years, you know, almost two years as a whole, and it was just like something where, towards the end of it, I lost and I think myself completely to it, um, where I didn't cook at all anymore. I didn't cook at home. I didn't cook like I just went to work. I went, I did what I needed to, but I stopped cooking for fun. It became a job because I was just miserable all the time, and it was more internal than anything else. But like. I wasn't ready to give up on it because I'm too stubborn sometimes to ever stop and just be like, it's okay to throw in the towel and just move on. And I couldn't do it um, because... Well, it's about feeling of failure, right? I don't think it was failure. Failure, I think it was the fear of not knowing what I would do after that. When you're already working at a place that is already setting the standard for what's going on, um, where am I going to go next? Am I going to open up my own place? Absolutely not. Like I just, there's no, I have no interest in it, and I didn't at that point in time because I just opened you up mean that a restaurant. bricks and mortar yeah. place, right? So after opening up with him and experiencing everything that we went through to make that place what it is, and it's definitely one of the best restaurants in Connecticut, and it's because he is relentless with his 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 path and what he needs and what he wants, and you know that's something I always value from him and always will to this day. Um, but I, I, I literally woke up one morning and I was just like, um, yeah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm, I'm literally dying inside. And, uh, the thing that I, that I have so much love and passion for doesn't exist for me anymore. Um, so I, I slowly started to kind of back away and I gave up the ranks of, uh, you know, being the guy and, and I was like there to help him cook on the weekends when he needed an extra help. But like, I was just home just like freaking out. (laughs) Like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Um, and, you know, just started cooking again at home. Just simply. So what was that? This, you had the switch off button. Yeah. What switched it back on? Um, just keeping it simple, which is very funny for people to hear me say because they look at what I do now and they're like, I don't, where's the simple part in it? <laughs> But keeping it simple in the sense of like what brings me joy, what brings me happiness and what brings me back to center, Um, you know, and that will always be food and that will always be hospitality and that will always be taking care of others and that will always be creating experiences or memories because food is nothing without the memories that are attached to it. I mean, that's just kind of it. You you have these ideas in your head of what the most perfect roasted chicken is or the most perfect pasta dish, but that comes from a place and time that you've had before. It's not just something that creates in your head. So you have the ideas of the Sunday table and, and dinners with your family, and that was when you were a child growing up, and that food, that sensation, that comfort is things that you get, like, lost in, you know? And, and we, we forget that that is why we do what we do. And, and I always try to tell people, which is hard for a lot of people to understand, but, like, you think about the best meal you've ever had in your life, and I guarantee you the food was the last part of it. Because um, it's, it's the experience of being there, who you were with, all of this stuff, and it all plays a part. Um, what I started to realize and notice about the restaurants that I was working and everything that was going on was there was no experience anymore. It is the hottest new restaurant. You have to get in. There's only an hour to be able to sit down because the next person's coming in and out. You don't know who's cooking the food. You have no connection to the server. You have no connection to anybody anymore. You have a plate of food in front of you. You take a thousand pictures of it. You post it online. And that is what the food world has turned into, this very transactional sort of um, atmosphere that, I think you lose the, the magic of what, you know, cooking for somebody is, you know, that, that, that emotional exchange, you lose that within it. So I need to figure out how I was going to make all this happen because I had no idea. 
And I thought about the three things that I like loved more than anything else and what was bringing me the most joy, which was this open fire cooking that I was doing every weekend in my backyard by myself, just cooking anything and everything. Um, the woodworking side of stuff, which was like the very, another way to express creativity. And then strangely in some way was like interior design. And it just became something that I just fell into and started decorating my houses and where I was living and everything else. And people would show up and be like, oh my God, like who did you have to do this? And I'm like, I just have all this stuff and that color and that texture works really well together. So that's where that goes. And, you know, it, but it's all about creating experience. You walked into my home and everybody was just like, I don't want to leave. Like it was just a very sort of comfortable setting, um, you know, soft tones and, and fur and, and fireplaces and just like, and I could come here and have an amazing cocktail and an amazing plate of food that I can't get in any other restaurant. I'm just going to come over to your house, you know, and that's kind of what it was. Like we would have people come over instead of going out to eat on the weekends, like they would just come over and like we just cook, you know, and like that was it. So you created a bricks and mortar in your own home. Correct. So you knew you didn't want to do that. So how did you take it on the road? So um, that that was 365 days of figuring that out, and I still try to figure it out every day. Um, but I started having this exact conversation with people and watching their eyeballs kind of like explode with just like this fascination of, I don't know how, but we're going to do this. Um, so it started with a farm, uh, started with the Hickories in Ridgefield, Connecticut, which I've had a previous relationship with based through all the restaurants that I worked at and using them and everything else. And Dina, who is the, um, the owner and the lead farmer in it, um, just told her the story and it was an instant sort of connection because her thing is about bringing back hundred year old crops back to the future and, you know, creating this connection with the past. And, and it just made so much sense. Um, and stories, like we would just sit and talk for hours and hours and hours. And the idea of listening to a story, a podcast, a book, like that was something that we kind of lost because everything was so quick and simple and easy. And it's an Instagram post. It's this, it's that, and it's over. Um, but to actually hear the process through somebody's words and watch the body language and, and their minds and all this shift through it, it's, it's very empowering. So uh, I hosted my first dinner ever. Uh, it was on November 4th of 2018. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I knew how to run restaurants. So I was like, ah, how hard could it be? You know, you rent a bunch of tables, you throw a bunch of chairs down. Um, but then I became obsessive, like, okay, uh, we're going to decorate the inside first. I'm not going to worry about the menu right now. We're going to decorate it first. Where right. was this? Ridgefield, Connecticut, which uh, was at oh, this oh, farm okay, here. Farm. Yeah, right, right, right. at this farm here. And were you using their pro It was all of theirs. Yeah. Everything was there. So the whole, the only thing I knew that I wanted to do that night was tell a story. That's it. That's the only thing I had on my mind. It's the only thing I wanted to, do, to really accomplish was tell the story of myself and the people that were involved with making this dinner happen. Um, and that's originally why I met Connor was to get the plates for this dinner. So... Here we have um, this connection of everything where, you know, the clay that Connor uses for his plates was also in the ground on the farm there. And the entire menu was based off the dinner, of, based off the diet of what the lamb eats. Um, and we serve lamb as the main course. And, you know, the farmer sat at the table and different walks of life and different chefs from all over that have been kind of slowly following my path and what I was doing. They all just kind of showed up and they were like, yeah, no, we've been listening to you. We've been watching you. Like, we want to experience this and see what it is. We had food writer. It was just like this so like surreal sort of thing, but like I, none of it mattered. Like none of it mattered to me because I was on such a mission to create what was in my head. Um, and I had 14 chefs show up to help cook. And how did they hear about it? I, I don't, that answer really? I don't have. I think it's just through the power of social media and through, you know, the, the, the restaurant community is, is so small. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, and everybody talks to each other. And I'm sure half the conversation was, yeah, have you heard of, like, you know, the chef from Tahiti, what this ridiculous idea he has? I'm sure it's like what it was, because I still think of it as a ridiculous <laughs> idea. But at every walk of life, come and show and help. And, and, and we had, you know, so many people giving hands, but, like, you know, the simplest things. And I think this is the power of creative experience, the simplest things of, like, I didn't have any water glasses on the table. There was no water. Uh, there was no music playing. There was no heat in the barn. It was 40 degrees outside in the middle, like, in the beginning of November, like, all of these things that you are so accustomed to having when you go inside of a restaurant space wasn't there. And yet nobody noticed it. Nobody asked for anything. Nobody complained. The, the experience and the energy in the room was so warm and so welcoming. And strangers became friends, became family, that sort of whole thing. And I was able to just tell the story of what it is. And, and I open up my dinners the same way every time by saying, welcome to an extension of my home. And that's kind of what this is. It's just allowing people to experience how I grew up um, and serving it back to them. So um, then there's one very pivotal photo that was posted of the dining room that night. And that photo, I think, literally changed everything for me because it just showed it just went out and it, it went, I guess you call the term viral, right? It went out and I started receiving job inquiries and, and possible sponsorships and, and people that are like, oh my God, you have to come do this here. You have to come do it there. And in my first year, which was only nine months of it, I think I did um, almost 40 events in total. Oh my goodness. And it was just this, I have to figure this out on the fly because it's going and it's never going to stop. And that's where I'm at still. It just, so now we fast forward an entire year and, uh, the experiences that I was able to create, the connections I was able to make, the places that I traveled to, uh, it just, it's all because I focused on one thing and I never let it go. And I never, still have never let it go. And I, I never would fold for anybody. I never would do something I didn't want to do. The power of saying no, because what you believe in, I think is the most intoxicating thing in the world. Even when you're staring at these lump sums of money, and you're just like, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not here to make pigs in a blanket. I'm not here to make burgers and hot dogs. Like, you know, uh, what started as just public events only quickly turned into private, which quickly turned into weddings, which quickly turned into residencies at large scale hotels. And, you know, it's I'm, I am bringing a restaurant to people. I'm bringing people directly to the source of their food. I'm showing people I'm using my table as a platform for communities now where I am not only sourcing locally from everywhere that I go from the Hamptons all the way up to the Berkshires, but. I source artisans from the area, from other woodworkers and potters and glassblowers and leather workers to help set the table with me to represent themselves in their own community because that's it. The human connection is the thing we lack the most um, because of the internet and because of everything else. Everybody is just a click away, but like a handshake and a conversation is so empowering. And you have all these people sitting at these tables, you know, wanting to know so much about what they're doing and how they're eating and all this stuff. And it's, it's such a great way to be like, yeah, turn to your left. He's right there. He's the one who made this. He's the one who did all of it. It's just, that's what it is. So now, once I took the spotlight off of being the executive chef and took the spotlight of being in the, in the fancy white chef coat, uh, and I started empowering the people that are around me, even my staff now, like they all know for a fact that like they're allowed to make every decision they want. You know, I give them the parameters that they're allowed to function in and I make as many of the ingredients as I can from scratch, but how do you want to cook this today? This is yours. And they come up and then when the course is dropped, I make them go out to the table and talk about it. It's allowing people to just show their own worth. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the dark side of the restaurant world is you just slave and you slave and you slave for some guy that sometimes is never in the kitchen uh, to get all the credit for you. And, and that starts this very sort of internal battle where you're like, 
am I even worth it? Like, what, why is this any of it worth it? You know, it's, it's nuts to think about. So then it was bringing all of this now together, right? So I'm now, I'm making all the platters. I'm, I'm sometimes making the tables of where the events I'm going to. I am sourcing as much as I can. And now I essentially have this amazing like inventory here where I can just turn to anybody, any of these guys and be like, hey, I need a couple of those. I need a couple of those. I'm gonna set the table with and give me all your business cards and I'll go and do these events for 50 to 300, 400 people and use it as a backdrop for for everyone. So I'm, I'm just kind of rolling with this movement. So you're doing a little consulting, right? A little bit, yeah. So what got you moved into that direction? I mean, is it about sharing, sharing knowledge It's about again? sharing, but I think it's also having a different eye now. <clears throat> After being inside of a building, inside of a restaurant for so many years, you go blind to things and you don't even notice it anymore. Um, so here I am every day creating a restaurant from scratch in the middle of nowhere fields, orchards, anywhere, no electricity, no nothing. Um, I focus on everything, every small possible detail that there is. And now I can walk into other people's restaurants and be like, hey, if you rotate that a little to the left so the sun hits it a certain way, that's a very welcoming feeling when you walk in here. If you change the lighting on this, the paint on that, it's not always food oriented, the consulting. It's actually hospitality sides and infrastructure and everything else. And because I had such a back infrastructure of, of all of these corporate, large scale corporate uh, restaurant groups from John George to Mario Batali to Michael White, I worked for all of them. You ran these massive kitchens and, you know, Unfortunately, I hate to say it like this, sometimes the food isn't, isn't the, the thing you take away from situations like that. Because uh, it doesn't really, it's not always mom's cooking. So it's like, I don't really care sometimes like what you're making. But I learned how to food cost and I learned how to, I became best friends with Excel. And like, you know, I learned how to run books and this is what helped me kind of run this business with no investments, no nobody else. It was just me solo. And up until this past year, I just started hiring people for the first time because I was just doing this all on my own um, because I had the fear of admitting that I didn't know what the hell I was doing to people was very strange to me. But like literally like a duck, I'm like screaming underneath the water, but I'm just like very composed all the time because it's like, hi, hey, we're here to make people happy. Let's go, guys. This is easy, right? Um, you know, so you, you laugh at things like that, but the consulting thing came very easy for them because I was able to walk into people's spaces that they're in every single day and notice things right away that they weren't even noticing. You know, hey, your food is definitely one of the best in this county, but your service is horrible here. This is what we need to do to change it. And it just, it's simple things like that that I think that's me sharing the wealth now. And in our restaurant industry now, I think there's very there's two different tiers of chefs that we have right now. We have the new kids that are kind of up and coming that were all the sous chefs for all these years and taking the beatings every day. And then we have the old school guys that have been up and around forever and like, they're not so very happy with what I do, but the young kids look at it as like a major sort of like inspiration to keep pushing harder. And I, that's what I tell everybody, I'm like, guys, at the end of the day, no matter what, you can literally do whatever you want. And nobody, nobody can tell you differently. And as long as you wake up to that every day and you look at every mistake as an opportunity to learn, you're, you're pretty much invincible. And that, that puts fear in people's eyes that are around you that don't feel the same way. So like if you harness that and you move forward with it, you can create a ridiculous moving circus like this. Yeah, I mean, it's like interior design, woodworking, yeah. chef. But they all go hand in hand. Yeah, you know? so consulting. Yeah. But what's next? What's next is, uh, so there's, there's two main objectives, I think, of this business. Uh, one is I want to help single-handedly rewrite the structure of the restaurant world through this opportunity. 
I want to show everybody that, it, that, that they don't have to live in this sort of negative backdrop and they don't have to be confined by the four walls that make them who they are. And I really want to focus on that and, and harness that home. Um, and, you know, uh, there, there has been recently a lot of um, opportunities, I think, approached by me that I would have never thought about in the past. But the opportunity to taking this more on like a, a national, global sort of scale and, and traveling with it and, and being in different states and actually making this like a sort of like, you know, traveling sort of, you know, band kind of thing, or even the opportunity to do docu-series that are on national TV and like give people the idea that like entrepreneurship, which is like something that we lost for so long because the corporate world, um, you know, it's there and it's, it's possible and the world is yours for the taking. And I want to like, I want to do, I want to live um, a very sort of intense like legacy. I don't want to be a hero. I just want to live like a life that everybody can pay attention to and watch and build their own empires off of. I'm all about giving and I'm less about taking these days, so. It's wonderful, Dan. It was so great talking to you. Thank you. Appreciate now, it. I know that I was holding you up from finishing this piece yeah. over here. So what are you going to do to it? Uh, I just have to put the last coat of finish on and then uh, this, will, this will officially be done. So this is actually a, uh, this is one of four pieces, the last one. Um, this is for a countertop um, of a client of mine that I have. Uh, who was also in the restaurant world, uh, but recently left it and then just kind of like finding his next chapter, his next stage. Um, so, you know, we, back to the storytelling thing, I, I, I go out of my way to source, even the wood is from the town that he lives in. You know, it was a tree at one point that grew down the street from where his house is. And, and we go as far as we can to kind of make it um, a staple piece. And now this will be in his house, you know, until it's not anymore. And, and there's something very exciting about that, that he can literally produce for his family every day off of this and, and cook and, and provide and having something that I made from scratch to give to him so that he can make things from scratch off the top of it. I think that's that sort of like that new revolution. Thank you for joining me this week on The Makers, brought to you by Trade and Prosper. If you enjoy the show, please follow me on iTunes and take a second to write a quick review.